Well, good morning, everybody. Who is excited to be here on Resurrection Sunday? It is so good to see all of you. What I'm going to ask before we jump in is if you have an empty seat and you're in the middle, if you can squish in, if you are on the sides and there's an empty seat, if you can move closer to the wall, uh, just so that if people are in the back standing that they have a place to go, we would appreciate that a lot. But I am, at Resurrection Weekend, the Holy Week, as we're coming to a close of this celebration, is just my absolute favorite uh, celebration of the year. Uh, where we really get to just enjoy the biggest day of the year. Because Paul says this in the New Testament, without the resurrection, we have nothing. There is no, no point to our faith if Jesus did not raise from that grave. If they didn't go to that tomb and find it empty, there would be no point to the entire understanding of Christianity. And so that is why today is such a deep and meaningful uh, celebration. For everybody up here, if I spit on you, I'm sorry. I'm just warning you before we start. You know, the closer you get, the less cool it looks whenever someone's speaking. Especially if I get Pentecostal on everybody, then there's going to be there's going to be a little river coming out of my mouth. Man, but welcome to Zion. Uh, as Stephanie was saying before, our host uh, it's just amazing. We are a little over a two-year-old church now, uh, and what God has done in, uh, in this place, in Bay Ridge, has just been amazing. I think everybody looking around is just a testament to God's love and his power in us, and I just get excited to be able to celebrate him together. Uh, and today's text that we're going to be looking at is John chapter 7, and the question that we're going to be asking each other today is, who is Christ? What I uh, like about this passage is it actually happens before the resurrection, but what's cool about this passage is Jesus makes some statements that would not be true unless the resurrection actually happens. And so right at the end of this passage, the author of this passage says that we know all this to be true, and this happened essentially looking back retroactively that this is true because he resurrected. And so as we're reading today's passage, we get to really be excited to read this together because we get to read this in light of knowing that Jesus is who he says who he is and that he is resurrected. And what he is declaring and saying about himself is true. And so we're going to start. And if you want to read along with me on these TVs up here, we'll have the scripture for you to read along. But we're going to be reading through John chapter 7. As I said, we're going to start in verse 1 and go from there. Let's jump in. It says, After this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of booths was at hand. So his brothers said to him, Leave here and go to Judea, that your disciples also may see the works you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world, for not even his brothers believed in him. Jesus said to them, my time has not come yet, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I am not going up yet to this feast, for my time has not yet fully come. After saying this, he remained in Galilee. 
So this first passage here in John chapter 7 sets the stage for the rest of the passage on what is happening. So the first thing that's happening is there is a feast going on. It's called the Feast of Booths. And this is a yearly feast that the Jews celebrate. And this comes, this feast comes right around October. It's in our fall season. And it is to celebrate uh, the harvest, but also to uh, ask God to make it rain on the people. Every day during this feast, they would do this ritual that the priests would, they would have a, a kind of procession and pour out water and wine. And what this water and wine being poured out meant was they were asking God for it to rain. Because in Israel at this time, right after fall, is their rainy season. You know, for us, we're in the middle of our rainy season. April showers bring May flowers. Uh, you know, the nursery rhyme from childhood. But for Israel, their rainy season was just about to start at the end of fall. And so because of that, they had this ceremony where they would ask God, please make it rain. Make the rains come this year because if they don't, we will not have a harvest next year. Our lands will not be fertile and we are going to be in a famine. And so Jesus is tentative about going to this feast because the Pharisees, the religious rulers, they are looking to kill him. They do not like him. And it's, it's interesting why they don't like him. Just a couple of chapters before this, the reason why the Pharisees start to hate him. You ever been around religious folk? I know we're in church right now, so you may be sitting next to one of those people. But if you ever get somebody really, around really religious, they, they just love their rules. And they don't care about your heart. They care about the rules. So they, they can be nasty to you. But as long as you, you know, show up to church on Sunday, you know, we're, we're all good there. And so the Pharisees, they were the religious folk. And they actually get mad at Jesus because Jesus healed somebody on the Sabbath. And so Jesus healed a crippled man on the Sabbath. And they get mad at Jesus because they said, you're not supposed to do work on the Sabbath. And Jesus is kind of blown away by this, just like I think we should be blown away. What do you mean I cannot do work on the Sabbath? The Sabbath, he says, Jesus' infamous words, the Sabbath was not, the, we were not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for us, meaning this is, the Sabbath was a law to help us rest. And you guys have turned it into a rule that brings death. And so Jesus tells this man to be healed. He's healed. And since then, the Pharisees get really angry. And so at this point, they're looking to kill him. And so Jesus lets his brothers and his disciples go to this feast that everybody is supposed to go to. There are three feasts where people make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem every year. This was one of them. So they leave without him because he didn't want to go publicly because the Pharisees were looking to kill him. And the reason he says this is because he reveals their evil and their sin. And if you ever had a friend, anybody ever have a friend that blows up your spot? Anybody ever have a friend like that? And you just, you know, you think your friend is on your side and, and you're supposed to be like, you know, you, you got my back right now. And then you say something and then, and then they just blow you up in, some, in front of somebody. It, it, it may go down like this, the scenario where you're talking to your friend, you've just been through a breakup. You know, you're mad and, and you're complaining to your friend and just saying, man, this girl, she, she just did me dirty. You know, I can't believe what how, you know, how mean she was, how bad she was to me, you know, good riddance. And then the friend goes, you know, you were the jerk in that situation. 
I don't know why you're mad at her. I, 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 I think it's good that she left you. I, I think this is a good move for her. If you ever had, this is kind of how the Pharisees feel about Jesus right now, is the Messiah in their head is, is supposed to be uplifting them, giving them a better platform, but instead what Jesus does is he is revealing the evilness and the sinfulness of their heart. He is blowing up their spot in front of everybody, and because of that, they want to kill him. And so what happens after this is the brothers and the disciples, they go up to the feast, and then Jesus decides, after all, to go up in private. And we're going to read that scene here in verses 10 and on. It says, but after his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he, Jesus, went up also. Not publicly, but in private. The Jews were looking for him at the feast and saying, where is he? And there was much muttering about him among the people. While some said he is a good man, others said, no, he is leading the people astray. Yet for fear of the Jews, no one spoke openly of him. About the middle of the feast, Jesus went up to the temple and began teaching. The Jews therefore marveled, saying, how is it that this man has learning when he has never studied? So Jesus answered them, my teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory, but the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true, and in him there is no falsehood. So Jesus goes up to the feast. He goes up privately. He doesn't make a big public display because he was waiting for Palm Sunday, which is what we celebrated last week, before he made his grand entrance into Jerusalem and the public display, and it wasn't time yet for that, so he goes up in private, and there's a lot of people talking about Jesus and wondering about him. He's made a stir in the community, and we see that there's these two thoughts that emerge about who Jesus is. The first thought that emerges is Jesus is a deceiver, and we see that this is actually not an uncommon belief. Even today throughout history, there's a lot of people that still believe Jesus was a grand deceiver. Uh, one of the people that sticks out in my mind is Karl Marx. Karl Marx, the founder of communism, said that religion is the opiate of the masses. And one of the religions he was specifically talking about was Christianity. He felt like Jesus was a deceiver, that we were, he, was, he was just putting these people into this religious box, into deceit, and saying, you know what, you guys are brainwashed, you guys don't know what you're talking about, this is a sedated drug, and Jesus isn't who he says he is. Uh, a few years ago, I, I saw another kind of statement about how even in this present day, people still look at Jesus as a grand deceiver. There was a billboard that was plastered all over Manhattan that said this, two million New Yorkers are good without God. Why not you? And so... Essentially, what this billboard was saying was that the promises of Jesus are false. So the atheists, they put this sign up because they wanted everybody to see what Jesus as a deceiver. But then the second belief that I think is uh, even a, a popular belief today is this belief. They said Jesus was a good man. Now, we have great people in history that believe Jesus was a good man. One of those people is Gandhi. Gandhi thought that 
uh, if he, he had this saying that if it wasn't for Christians, I would be a Christian. Uh, and the, the <laughs> which is funny, which is like, you know what, Gandhi, I got you there. I understand it. I, I can't hate your game there with what you're saying. Uh, because he probably encountered a lot of Pharisees in the Christian belief, like Jesus encountered. But essentially what Gandhi was saying was his principle was Jesus was a good person. He was a good person that shared a lot of good beliefs that we as good people should live by. Uh, if you were coming up on um, uh, presidency, uh, president season, uh, it's just like the worst year in my life. I hate it because every ad in the world is a presidential ad. And it's just like, dude, I can just go read your website. I don't need your ad telling me the same thing over and over and over and over and over again for a year. Uh, but p politicians talk about this a lot. They talk about how Jesus was a man of good teachings, that he was a good guy, that this is a good person that we should follow. You know, if you talk today to a lot of people, generally people will say, you know, I liked what Jesus said about this, or I liked what Jesus said about that. I thought, I think Jesus had a lot of good teachings. And so we see that back then they were having the same arguments that we're having today around who Jesus is. Is he, is he a guy that's just coming to deceive us? Is he, is he a good person? Is he just a good teacher? Who is this guy? And they keep on debating with Jesus about kind of who he is and what he's trying to do. Uh, but what happens is after they're trying to figure this out, it comes to the last day of the feast. And Jesus is hearing the conversation. He's talking with some of the people. He's talking with the religious rulers. He's talking with the crowds. And he decides on the last day to make this declaration. And we're going to read in verse 37 this declaration on the last day of the feast that Jesus made. It says, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So if you remember, you know, what we were saying, what was the point of this feast? That every day they would have this ceremony, and on the last day, the culmination of the feast, called the great day of the feast, they would do this ceremony one last time to petition God of heaven for rain to come so that they wouldn't have a year of drought and that they would have a year of good soil. And so the people, they understood that the, the rain that they're asking for is the source of their life in the land, that they are about to enter into the season that without it, that they would run dry. And so they come to God asking, God, give us rain. And so in the middle of this ceremony, it says that Jesus stands up and he cries out. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Now, I, I love what Jesus is doing here. Because I was kind of imagining, what would this be like for us today? And I think of a wedding. And when you go to a wedding, there's always that awkward pronouncement that the priest has to make by law uh, that says, is there anyone here that would have something to say uh, that these two should not be married? And usually, you know, kind of everybody looks around for a second, like, I wonder if anybody's going to say something. Will anybody stand up? You know, you make it through, it's like, whew, nothing, nobody said anything. 
Now imagine you're at a wedding and in that silence, somebody stands up and just declares something and screams out why these two should not be married. What is going to happen in that room? The air is going to be sucked out of the room. Everybody's going to look at that person like, yo, who is this crazy person over here? You know, that person may get tackled. It it depends on like, if you're at like my Puerto Rican Italian side, they definitely will get tackled in the wedding. The Italians may come out with some bats, you know, take them outside in the back. You know, if anybody, we grew up more Italian than we did Puerto Rican in my house. uh, So that meant that there was a bat everywhere. There was a bat in every closet. There was a bat in every car. You know, and there was a mini bat that was handed out for certain situations, you know, that was going on. And so if that happened in, you know, one of our weddings, the person wouldn't have fared very well at the end of the ceremony. That's all we're going to say. We're going to leave it at that, you know, as the Italians would say. But so Jesus stands up, and and this is a religious ceremony that all the people are involved, and he cries out. You guys are looking for rain from heaven, but your source of rain, your source of living water is standing right here. Now you can imagine what would have happened when Jesus says that. People are looking at this man like, yo, this guy is, he is crazy or he is God. You are a liar or you are truly who you are saying that you are. See, what's happening is that Jesus is saying there really shouldn't be a debate about who I am. I am the Lord. And he's saying this because what he's declaring here, he's, he's talking, he, he's speaking in this pronunciation, this, this persona of how God would speak, And when the prophets of the Old Testament would speak like this, before they would say this line that Jesus said, that whoever believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water, or if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Before a prophet in the Old Testament would say this, what they would declare first is they would say, thus says the Lord. But Jesus, when he stands up and he declares this in front of the people, he doesn't say, thus says the Lord. Because when I'm going to say something... I don't say, thus says Justin, hello, how you doing? Happy Easter. So when Jesus stands up to proclaim something from the Lord, he doesn't say, thus says the Lord, because he doesn't say, he doesn't need to announce himself because he is the Lord saying what he is about to say. So Jesus stands up in the feast, he stands up in the middle of the ceremony and proclaims the Lord is here speaking among you rain that you pray for, that you petition with, the water that you want to give life to your lands, that water is here, standing with you. Just a couple of chapters before this, Jesus declares this in John chapter 5 to the woman at the well in verse 13. He says, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. And he's talking about the water in the well. But he says, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. See, this is the thing about Jesus. Is that Jesus is not just a good person. Jesus is not just a prophet. 
he is not just a teacher or a spiritual leader. And what happens is we fool ourselves a lot of times because we think that we are actually getting on God's good side when we say, you know what, I, I think Jesus has good things to say. You know, I think he was a good guy. I believe that he was a real person. You know, these are things that we say to one another. Things, these are things that we say to other people. And what's happening is when we say that, what we are thinking in our heart is, okay, you know, I, I think Jesus was good. I think he was a great teacher. We, I think he was a, a good person. But by calling him just a good teacher or thinking he is just a prophet or just thinking that he was a great guy that once lived on the earth, what we are doing is we are stripping him of his real title, which is Lord. And we are regulating his teachings to good advice rather than words that we live by as Lord and King. See, Jesus did not come to give his people good advice. Jesus didn't come so that we can have an extra tome or holy book among us, so that we can have some good things to say and have some good celebrations and try to be better people. Jesus said, my words are life. And the only people that are going to be living are the people who drink from the well of the words that I give them. See, one of my favorite sayings is, is Jesus did not come to make bad people good. Jesus came to make dead people live. And oftentimes what we do in our hearts is we fool ourselves. We think, well, I got it in good with the, with the big guy upstairs. You know, we have an understanding. I, I think he's good. I think he thinks I'm good. And, you know, I, he was a great teacher. I, you know, I, I like the stuff that he says in that book. And we keep it moving. But Jesus has something very different to say about himself. And C.S. Lewis actually says this. He says there are only three possible titles that Jesus can have. There is no other title that Jesus can have. So he says the three titles that Jesus can have, he is either a liar, he is a lunatic, or he is Lord. There, there's no other title that he can have. He would be a liar, liar because he made bold claims like he did when he stood up during the feast. And he proclaimed himself to be Lord, and he said, you are looking for the rain but I tell you that what? The source of all life is standing among you. That's either true or it's not true. That has nothing to do with being good or having good teachings. What he's saying is I am the source of life. Jesus said I am the I am. Which was a reference to the Old Testament of Yahweh, the great God of Abraham, Isaac, And Jacob, and he, what he was saying, what Jesus was saying at that point is, I have, I have been the God from the very beginning, the God of your forefathers, the God that you serve. I am not just some new prophet. I am not just some new teacher. I am not just some rabbi. So if the claims that he made here in the scripture that we read are wrong, then he is a liar. There's, 
no way around that. Or he was a lunatic. He actually believed the things that he was saying, but he was crazy. Because of the things that he was saying and of the things that he was doing, that if they were not true and he actually believed them, then he truly was a lunatic. He was a, a person that was claiming to be God incarnate. He was claiming to be fully man and fully God, to walk among us, to take away the sins of the world, to go to the cross and to die as the Messiah, as the Savior, as Emmanuel, the one who came to live among us. If this is not true, and he really believed it, and he convinced his disciples to believe it too, then he was a lunatic. But the third option is this, that he is Lord. If what Jesus said it was true, and the claims that he made, that he was the living water that led to eternal life, are true, that when he stood up and gave a prophetic declaration in this religious ceremony and didn't say, thus says the Lord, that it is true that he is declaring himself Lord, then what does that mean for us? That he was either this outlandish liar that he was a raving lunatic, or he is Lord of all. Now, the thing that we have to realize today is we have to come to a conclusion in our own heart and ask ourselves, who do we say that he is? You know, at some point, Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he said, who do men say that I am? And Peter began to respond, and he said, you know, they say you're this, they say you're that. And then he said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Messiah, you are the coming one, you are the Savior, the one we are waiting for. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven is the one who has revealed this to you. See, at some point, the question has to be asked of our heart, who do I say that he is? And if I have been skirting the issue and just saying, well, you're a good person, well, you, you are a great prophet, you are a great teacher, then I have to come to grips that if I say that, then what I'm really saying is that he is a liar or a lunatic. If I'm really trying to skirt around the edges, then in my heart, what I'm saying is that the claims that Jesus made were actually untrue, that the who Jesus said that he was is not real because he is much more than all of that. He is Lord, he is the source, he is the eternal well of life that when we drink from him, we will never be thirsty again. I want to encourage us today that to clarify your thoughts on Jesus. Look inside your heart, search your mind, search your heart. Who do I say that he is? Because if he is just a good person, if he is just a prophet, if he is just a rabbi in your head, if, he, if it is just a book of good teachings, then you have to come to the understanding that who you are calling him is you are calling him a liar. You are calling him a lunatic. And we try to create this gray area in our lives so that we feel better about ourselves so that we can toe the line and keep one foot in and one foot out. 
But Jesus said we cannot serve two masters. We have to pick one or the other. See, the importance of this question for us is, is the way that we define Christ will determine how you live your life. It will define where you stand in eternity. Jesus says that if you call him Lord, you will receive his spirit. And living water will not only be what you drink, but living water will then flow from who you are. So many of us go through life looking for different wells to drink of. We look for relationships, maybe that will satisfy me. We look for drugs, maybe that will satisfy me. We look at entertainment, we think maybe that will satisfy me. Maybe Netflix every night will numb my pain. Maybe alcohol will numb how I really feel. Maybe this will satisfy me. And what we do is we go drinking earthly water in all the different wells that the earth offers us. We look at politics to be our savior. We look at all these different things, the different pills that were popping, maybe this will help me in life. And we have gone and we've drunk from all the different wells when Jesus is standing up in the middle of our life and he is declaring today, if you come to me and are thirsty, drink from the water that I give you and you will receive eternal life. But he says, not only will you have eternal life, but from you will spring forth rivers of living water. Meaning other people will be able to drink of the water that God fills you up with. And your life will not only not be empty, but it will be on overflow. Have you ever felt like you have just been running on empty and you've been going from this to that to this to that. And you're thinking, how many things can I try? How many times will I feel depleted? How many times will I be back in depression? How many times will my anxiety overwhelm me when Jesus is standing right here, right now, declaring, I am Lord. I am Lord over your depression. I am Lord over your anxiety. I am Lord over your drugs. I am Lord over your sin, over your bad habits. I am Lord over all. what we can do today is we can say, Jesus, I come to you to drink from the eternal well. Because let me tell you, if you have felt empty in your life, the resurrection for you means this today, that the source is ready to make you not only full, but to overflow. If you have felt dry in your life, there are no special ceremonies that you have to perform to petition rain from heaven, but you just have to understand that the giver of rain is here. And he is waiting to be invited into your life as Lord so that he can declare over your life the rivers of living water come forth. If you thirst for more, Come to him, and he will give you drink. He will not turn you away, 
That woman at the well, if you read into her life, she lived a hard past. One of rejection, one of sinfulness, one that essentially excommunicated her from her society. But Jesus still invited her to come and to drink. If you walk away today saying, he does not want me, I have done too much, then you are calling him a liar. Because today he invites all who are weary, all who are broken, all who are thirsty, all who are empty. And he says, let me fill you up. Imagine this place out of every follower of Christ, rivers of living water flowing into us, out of us, out into our families, into our workplaces, into our neighborhood, into every conversation that we have, the joy, the peace that surpasses understanding, the, the patience, the selflessness, the things that God promises when his spirit comes upon us. Today, we must clarify, and Jesus is asking, who do you say that I am? Am I a liar? The things that I said, are they untrue? Am I a lunatic? Was I just a crazy person that came to earth? Or am I Lord, the giver of drinks, that if you take a cup, that you will never thirst again? Can you stand with me?